0: good morning from Ephesians 5:15 to 20 from the new living translation so be careful how you live don't live like fools but like those who are wise make the most of every opportunity in these evil days don't act thoughtlessly but understand what the Lord wants you to do don't be drunk with wine because that will ruin your life instead be filled with the Holy Spirit singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs among yourselves and making music to the Lord in your hearts. And give thanks for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. The word of the Lord. Good morning. Welcome this morning to Twilliger Community Church on a beautiful Sunday. Thank you, Ed. Ed and Terry Plant are uh, new among us in the last uh, number of months. And uh, actually, Ed and Terry live very close to the, the school over at Southwest, where Southwest will be located. So they're going to be part of the Southwest Community Church congregation. And we're just delighted to have you, Ed and Terry. In the summer of uh, 1896, 25-year-old Orville Wright contacted typhoid fever. Uh, For several days he was near uh, near near-death delirium. Uh, It would be an entire month before he could sit up in bed. It would be another few weeks before he could get out of bed. And it may be the best thing that ever happened to Orville Wright. Because uh, Orville's brother, Wilbur, had taken an intense interest in human flight. And with Orville bedridden, he had a captive audience. Wilbur read aloud to Orville, and that's how the Wright brothers came to enter an adventure that changed their lives and the lives of all of us. We now get in airplanes. (laughs) We think nothing of it. Uh, Of course it works. Of course you can be in California in three hours if the weather gets too cold here. Of course you don't have to worry. It's safe. It's an airplane. Against all odds, they figured out how to build a flying machine. Well friends, we're starting a new series uh, this this Sunday and I'll get it started. And uh, Pastor Norb will take us to the Old Testament next week to illustrate some of the things that we say today. And I'll be away next week in uh, beautiful San Diego, not on vacation, honest, uh, but with the North American Baptist Foundation, which is part of our conference. And uh, there I would just say that to have you pray, if you would, for the North American Baptist Foundation. We're making a lot of transitions in that foundation. And uh, this is a very significant uh, weekend coming up. So please pray for us. Words are important, and the word significant is an important word. What is the best word uh, to use when you want to say, I hope you have a great life. I hope you all have a great life. Because I don't want to use great in the sense of famous, but I want to use it in terms of purpose and significance. It's not the plan that you come to the end of your life and you say, Uh, So that's it. It's over. That's all there was. I don't really get it. What was was this supposed to be about anyway? Your life doesn't suddenly become great at 80. It needs a head start. It can be great when you're a kid. It can be great when you're a teenager. It can be great when you're a young adult. It can start there against all the odds that will come your way. You're going to get a lot of curveballs thrown your way as you journey through this life. Like, I didn't expect that. Where did that come from? I mean, out of the blue, who would have ever thought? We got a text this week from uh, uh, a daughter uh, in Michigan whose extended family there, 31-year-old mom, two kids, suddenly cancer is diagnosed, chemo to to begin soon, radiation to begin soon, and uh, very large massive lump. Like, oh, I'm 31. Where did that come from? I didn't see that coming. Nobody's born great. Uh, you were born into this world as a baby and you come into the world helpless and you are born with an act to throw up your goodies on your mom's new dress or your dad's new shirt. That's not great. No baby is immediately great, but you can be great. That is, you can have great significance and purpose. So as we start the series this morning, I just want to reflect on on how God has made us and what God intends for us. He is always for us, and I always start at that premise. He is always for us and never against us. And He wants us to be great not famous, not a celebrity, but great in terms of discovering God's significance and purpose and meaning to the days that he allows us to have upon this planet. Our text is just one verse, and we'll come to it in a moment. It's Ephesians 5.16, Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Become great as you live out your days in the time that God gives you. Now, but it seems to me that the text presumes a couple of things. So before we go to that text, I want to just talk about those presumptions. Number one, it presumes that we have a heart to make a difference, a desire to find significance. A heart to make a difference and a desire to find significance. It seems to me that uh, one of the key starting points as you watch your life unfold is that somewhere along the line of your journey, you come to the conclusion that you have to give your life away in order to find it. Jesus said, if you cling to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for me, you will find it. And that's the challenge of living the days that we have on this earth is to always think in terms of what Jesus said. If you cling to your life, You'll lose it, but if you give up your life, for me, you'll find it. You need something bigger than yourself to motivate you to get out of bed in the morning. And great people, not famous people, are just ordinary people who commit themselves to something bigger than themselves. And there's an amazing transfer of purpose when you start saying, I'm not in this for me, I'm in this for something much bigger than me, and in that discovery, you give yourself away. And I know that people search all over the place to find some worthy causes to give their life to. Uh, And it's most commendable. For some, it's a long, hard search to discover what's really important in this life, to actually inconvenience myself, to actually sacrifice some of my time and energy and finances. But people give themselves to a lot of great causes. And there are marvelous people in the world. Marvelous. I can tell you what I know. The greatest purpose in life is God's purpose for your life. God's will for your life. I felt that as a teenager. And as the the best I could in those days, I, I nodded my head to God that he could have all of me. If it meant being a pastor, um, then I was all in. I I don't mean I felt confident about it. I felt very uncomfortable with it. Very uncomfortable. Out of my comfort zone. Uh, But I felt like if I was going to walk this road, I could trust God's grace for the road. And, And isn't God good? He lets us see just one little bit at a time otherwise you would stew and fret and say oh my I can see it all coming down the road and I I choose that part of the package but I sure want to avoid that part of the package the road is never completely smooth for any of us but I know that there's nothing more fulfilling and purposeful than to give my life to God and to let him use it however he will We want to give ourselves to something that lasts. The kingdom of God lasts forever. The world only lasts a little while, but eternity lasts forever. Someone said the other day that Bill Gates might one day become a trillionaire the way his portfolio is building. I don't know. I'm just gossiping a little bit here. I don't talk to Bill about those kind of things. (laughs) He's trying to be responsible with his billions. They have a foundation that works very hard to give away money. And he's on a quest not just to accumulate money, but but to make a difference. To find his purpose. Both he and Melinda. And they have full-time staff, as you probably know, just to give his money away. I'd just love to bless him. I mean, I would... I would just do anything to be on staff and to designate it to Southwest Community Church. See my hand? But one day there won't be a Microsoft or an Apple Corporation or even a Tim Hortons. Those things will pass. But being part of God's family will last forever. And what greater role for us than to say, God, I'm yours, I want to be used in your plans, and I want others to know the kind of God you are. So becoming great in terms of significance is to commit yourself to something beyond yourself, bigger than you. And as followers of Christ, that is saying, Lord, I give myself to the building of your church, your kingdom, what you want to do on this planet. So the first assumption is that we're committed to something bigger than ourselves. The second assumption is that we have a family to work with. God has designed our purpose to be connected to His family. We're not loners in the kingdom. We shouldn't travel alone. We travel together as a family. And together we are committed to the purposes of God. And that's the value of being part of the church of Jesus Christ. You get to join great people. Not famous people. But great in terms of people who have found significance and purpose. They're kingdom builders. And oh, I've met a lot of great kingdom builders in my life. They, they have the big picture of what God's trying to do in His world. And they're right here among us. You look at how people invest themselves and, and, and you don't see the big splash, but you see the greatness of a heart that has discovered what's really important. So as a family, we're committed to the purposes of God. I love the family that God's given us here. We're not a perfect family. Uh, We have our weaknesses and our struggles. We don't all agree on everything, I'm sure. But the blessing is unity amidst diversity. So thanks for being God's family. Uh, You may be trying to figure out where you fit. You might be just coming into this family and you're assessing how to be a part of this family. How does that work? Where can I be involved? You might be saying it's still not clear to me what it really means to be a follower of Christ. This is all new for me. It's important to get attached to the family. And if it's TCC, that's awesome. Soon we'll say if it's Southwest, that's awesome. Uh, as a TCC family, we have a vision beyond ourselves. The vision is to keep moving forward, to keep sharing God's love, to take His message to the next community. And as we've seen God lead us in this community, we look beyond ourselves and say, we want to move beyond our boundaries and strike out and, and do it again. Called church planting. And it's the number one way the church is growing in North America today. Across the Canada and the United States, it's church planting. So I'm so glad that you have a vision for that and that we can be part of this together. Thirdly, making the most of every opportunity. The third piece of direction in finding our purpose and significance in this world is the statement by Paul in Ephesians 5:16 make the most of every opportunity in these evil days now Paul is the writer to the Ephesians and you might be reading in your translation redeeming the time or you might be reading or making the most of your time actually Paul used the exact phrase in Colossians 4:5 exact words Uh, There was a commonly accepted belief that a period of crisis would precede the coming of the Messiah. So there's an urgency. Make the most of every opportunity. But but the Lord is coming back was Paul's message. And then of course it's still ours today that the Lord is coming back. Uh, No one is taking out the calendar and putting a little circle around a certain date because Paul knew and we know that that would be pointless. We just don't know but we're confident in the promise that he will, he will come back. He will return. And Paul didn't know the timing either. Uh, so he was prepping his people to be heads up, alert, because time is precious. I got one of those watches the other day. They call it a smartwatch, watch. And it kind of records how many steps you take. And uh, I miserably fall short of the daily allotment. So if I need guilt in my life, I just look at my watch and say, you're, you're really not making it, you're not stepping up, I'll tell you. But this watch, when you sit too long, a little beep goes off, and you look at it to say, what do you want? And it says, move, move. So it's a reminder to get up from your desk. You've been sitting too long, get up and move, change pace. And that's what that verse means to me. Hey, Ken, sitting too long. Get up and move. Get up and see where I'm taking you next. Move. Make the most of the time I have given to you. So this is an occasion uh, not for surrender or withdrawal, but it's a time for renewed commitment and earnestness and taking advantage of the time, of the time that we have. Making the most of every opportunity but it's a time for for renewed commitment. Maybe translated, making the best use of the opportunities or the best use of the time that God has given to you and you see the opportunities that lie in front of you. And you can see the end of verse 16, which is just as relevant today as when Paul put pen to paper in these evil days. Those evil days have lasted for centuries and there's a nervousness in our world today you notice it too as followers of Christ we need to pray for wisdom and discernment and healing and reconciliation it's easy to polarize and it's hard to unite to use the words of a biblical commentator we must read the signs of the time through bifocal lenses we look at the world as it, as it is recognizing and identifying the evil which is rampant we do not hide our eyes from the wrong which appears forever on the throne as right hangs over painfully on the scaffold. Yet the other focus of our lens enables us to see in such a way that we do not identify Christian hope with secular optimism. Our willingness to work for the kingdom to wager our lives on the triumph of justice is not dependent on social progress." So it's not all what it's cracked up to be. It's, the world is different God's kingdom is being built even amidst what you think is, wow. We bring to this world a love from the Father, a love from the Son, a relationship with the Holy Spirit that anchors us and helps us to be steady and grace filled amidst a turbulent world. What a day to make the most of every opportunity. And I hear the voice from the farthest room I don't have any opportunities. I mean, I don't see any opportunities in my life. And I really don't know what that even means in my life. I don't know if there's anything happening in my life that I can get involved with that will help me to develop my skills and my gifts and my abilities and my passion. And I just want to say again this morning, we're, we're all on the same road. We're all trying to get a handle on this verse as we live out our lives. What does it mean to make the most of our opportunities? What are you learning about that? What are you struggling with as you try to deal with that verse in your life? Because I know deep down you want to give Him everything. Can I just give you some process here this morning? Number one, opportunities often don't give you advance notice. Not usually. Not usually. Opportunities don't always come in the mail two years ahead of starting time. Hey, by the way... If you can invest yourself in a great cause and you can find purpose and significance, get ready to sign on the dotted line in two years. Hardly. Opportunities often just show up at your door. You kind of have to be ready at any moment for uh, an opportunity to knock on your door. Sometimes God puts an opportunity in front of you that just blows you away. Oh, wow. And you can miss it. You can refuse it. You can believe a lie that you can't handle it. It could be life-changing. And you just let it slide right by. Fear will be one of those big reasons you let it slide by. I could never. That's not me. That's not me. I I couldn't do that. I'm just little old me. Or you might be too busy to really understand what a great opportunity You're too preoccupied. Maybe you've been waiting for years for this opportunity and it shows up and suddenly you're so busy. You miss it. You're afraid and you miss it. Remember the story of Joseph in the Old Testament? Man, God showed him some neat stuff when he was a teenager. He showed him one day that he would be in a place of of great trust and leadership. But then you read the story of Joseph and it just looks all bad. All bad. It goes from bad to worse, from his amazing dreams, from his, uh, the road uh, that he had to walk for so many years from being a teenager, this young guy that just looked so promising when he was a kid, and then 40 years goes by, and his life is anything but amazing. His brothers sell him into slavery. He's taken to Egypt, sold into Potiphar's house, accused of rape, thrown in prison. Forty years goes by and the opportunities seem very limited. And maybe you can relate to that. You had a dream for your life. You had a plan and now the years have gone by. And it doesn't feel like your dreams are coming true. Then the opportunity came really quickly. Pharaoh had a dream. He says, anybody around here know how to interpret dreams? Somebody says, you should talk to Joseph. Joseph interprets dreams. And Pharaoh says, wow. After he interpreted his dream, this guy is awesome. And he raised him up to second in command. He became the second most powerful man in the entire world at that time. It's incredible. In 24 hours, Joseph goes from the pit to the palace. Wow, against all odds. And he was ready. When they said, can you do this? He said, sure, what do you need? Yeah, can do that. God can do more in your life in 24 hours than 30 years of career scheming and manipulating. Just be ready. Be open. Be welcoming. Be trusting. And God can take you places where you would have never imagined. And he will give you what you need for when you are in your new role. There's a great verse in 2 Timothy 2.21. If you keep yourself pure, you will be a special utensil for honorable use. Your life will be clean and you will be ready for the master to use you for every good work. What's that verse all about? It's about your heart. If you keep short accounts with with God with your heart, you'll always be fresh to hear him. And to see what he's doing. He's tossing some opportunities your way. Can you see them? Can you hear him? Oh no, it doesn't mean perfection. Not at all. But just that when I blow it, when I sin, I quickly admit it, confess it, get back on the road again. Lord, forgive me. I I said the wrong things to those people. God, that was prideful of me. God, that was jealousy. God, that was a wrong heart. You just don't let that stuff pile up. Short accounts with God. Be ready in your heart for the opportunities that are coming your way. Maybe we all ought to be praying that we would see those opportunities clearly and know what God is asking of us. So opportunities may not give you any advance notice. Sure doesn't mean you can't get prepared for the future, though, educationally or whatever it's required if you see God leading you in that direction. Secondly, understand God's heart for your life. Understand God's heart for your life. Verse 17 says, Don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. What does He want you to do? It might be easy to get locked in from our past and say, Well, this is what I do. But maybe God wants to break you loose from what you used to do because he made you for even greater opportunities. It might be easy to pigeonhole yourself as the years go by and say, well, that's who I am. I both love it and hate it when people try to stretch me. I love it because I want to be everything God wants me to be. But I hate it because it takes me outside of that comfort zone. Maybe you and I are not thinking as big as God is thinking for our lives. I have to be flexible to say, oh God, this is a little out of my comfort zone, but I feel like you're challenging me for these new opportunities. Paul says in Galatians 5.25, since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. When we keep in step with the Spirit, He can whisper into our heart at any moment, pay attention Got something for you over here. We try not to get ahead of God and try not to get behind Him. Lord, I want to walk at your pace. When you go slow, I go slow. When you go fast, I go fast. In the late 1800s, Brooklyn Tabernacle had a 6,000 seat auditorium. Can you imagine that? At the end of the 1800s, think about a church being that large in that century, in New York City. But over the subsequent century, the church gradually dwindled until 6,000 seats that were once filled every Sunday. There were 30 people that were left. And that's when Jim Zimbola became the pastor. And Jim was trying to turn the ship around. But nothing he tried was working. He said we couldn't finesse it. We couldn't organize it. We we couldn't program our way out of this disaster. And that's when Jim heard God on a fishing boat off the coast of Florida. It was so clear. It was so absolutely personal. He heard God say to him, if you and your wife will lead my people to pray and call upon my name, you will never lack for something fresh to preach. I will supply all the money that's needed and you'll never have a building large enough to contain the crowds I'll send. <laughs> Opportunity. But Jim was listening. And if you followed the ministry of Brooklyn Tabernacle, it's a story of God's gracious provision. Every Tuesday night, two to 3,000 people line up trying to get in for a prayer meeting. They line up on the streets. They try to get in this building to pray on a Tuesday night. Only God. Only God. Making the most of every opportunities. First, opportunities don't give advance notice. Second, opportunities call for us to understand God's heart for our lives. Thirdly, opportunities usually meet with some resistance. The moment you give yourself to God and His great purposes... You put yourself. You put yourself in a place where you're subject to some resistance, some opposition. Who knows what? I'm not trying to say this to frighten you. It's just a heads up. And Paul is telling us heads up. So be careful how you live. Don't live like fools. Verse 17, don't act thoughtlessly. The enemy would love to have you play life rather carefree. Just do your own thing. Just think of yourself. Just think of your opportunities, not his opportunities. But when you give your life totally and say, I'm going to give my life to the greatest purpose in the world, that's not going to play well with the enemy. Just tuck it away and heads up. Not to be intimidated with that. You might get him bombarded with all kinds of stuff. You'll have your critics... You might have financial issues. You might have health issues. You might have emotional issues. You might come to the point where you say, this is just overwhelming. I can't carry this. It's too much. He'll throw everything, including the kitchen sink, at you. Hmm. The greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world.
1: Now just take a look at Jesus.
0: I mean, he was, he, was, he was walking out his divine opportunities here on earth. And none of us need to ask, did he have any resistance? Oh, my. So expect it. Don't live there, though, because God doesn't want you checking every hole for the enemy. Just move forward with the opportunity, confident that God has called you to a great purpose. He's called you to be great. Great in the sense of significance and purpose. And then finally, uh, wisdom is required in how you take on new opportunities. Now, some of you need to listen to this and others can just tune out for a little bit and you'll know if it's you. There are some who gravitate to every new opportunity and soon your plates are so full that you can't hold it all. Remember what Peter Drucker, the great manage- manager guru, management guru became famous for? He said, before you tell me what's new, that you want to start doing, tell me what you stopped doing. So what are you handing off? He was saying it well, and good to have many irons in the fire, but if you have too many, you put the fire out. Then we have to pray over every opportunity. Lord, do you want me to get involved in this? Are you speaking to me? Is this the right priority for the season, or is it just a good idea? You want to hear God on this opportunity. Ask him, Lord, tell me if this is where you want me. Go to your trusted friends and say, pray with me. I'm sensing this, but I need confirmation. The Lord would want us to do that. Would you listen with me? Finally, as you check out this new opportunity, does it fit with who God made me to be? I mean, I'm quite confident that God's not going to move me in a whole new direction where music is the focus of my new ministry? I'm very confident of that. I can say that to you. If he wanted me in music ministry, he would have helped me out with some gifting in that area. Since I seem to be slightly under-gifted in the area, I should assume that it's not a high priority for any opportunities to come in that direction. I mean, I can look at other people in the church who are so strongly gifted in these areas, and I could say, hey, that's a cool ministry, Maybe I should get on the Bethel music team. No, Bethel would probably try to f- find a way to graciously say to me, this really isn't you. What do you like to do? Well, I like to pastor. I like to lead. I like to open God's word. Well, why don't you do that? Well, thanks for so politely telling me it like that. I don't fit on your team. I'm just saying, you've been called of God. Every one of us, God has something for you that brings brings greatness to your life. The greatness of being a man or woman who discovers God's significance, God's purpose. It doesn't matter whether people notice you or not. God has a great calling for your life. Against all odds, we're just starting this series and we want to illustrate this with biblical characters in the days ahead. Making the most of every opportunity. Opportunities may not give advance notice. They're just suddenly in front of us. Opportunities call for us to understand God's heart. Opportunities are usually met with resistance. And wisdom is required for the new opportunities that present themselves. Is God leading us? Is this of God? Great people, not famous people, are just ordinary people who commit to something bigger than themselves. There's an amazing transfer of purpose when you start saying, I'm not in this for me. I'm in this for something bigger than me. So bless you. Bless you as you live out your purpose and as you experience real significance. I'm just going to ask you this morning uh, if you'd bow your head with me. And let's pray. And before I pray, I'm going to invite you to just ask God this question. Are you ready? God, you have opportunities for me that I'm not seeing or maybe I don't really want to see do you have opportunities for me that I'm not seeing is there something you want me to know help me to hear you whether through your word or through a whisper or through someone else help me to hear what you're saying to me Father, thank you for these quiet moments. Thank you for your Holy Spirit. And we appreciate you reminding us this morning that to have a life filled with your purpose is to have the best life, the best life we could ever discover. So would you speak, Father, to every heart today as you remind us of the greatness of your love for us? Would you paint your picture for every heart here to see your value for every one of us? What a privilege to work together as a family. Grant us a sense of your urgency in the day in which we live. Help us to encourage one another, to prep one another, because you're coming again. Thank you for these men and women and young people today. In Jesus' name, amen.